Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. Hey, I'm Justin, your host. Hey, first things first, if this is your first or 91st time or 201st time or 301st time joining, doesn't matter. Thank you so much. We haven't even done 301 episodes, but anyway. So what is this? What have you tapped into? What is this ecosystem? What is this brand? Educated Guests is all about multidisciplinary education, um, a liberal arts approach to a career, and really sustaining that approach over time. So what do you do with your square peg and trying to fit into a round hole? That's what we cover here all the time. Um, on the podcast specifically, this is sort of the foundation of where this is even going. This is where we started and we're growing from here into more physical touch points. We built a pop-up school with Adidas, building pop-up schools with some other brands throughout 2020 and um we have three segments of content three types of curricula curriculum pillars if you will on mondays through the podcast you'll get incomplete thoughts so incomplete thoughts are about conceptual thinking um stuff that's not really rooted in practice but it's rooted in theory and something to give you a little bit of a mindset boost as you as you move into the week Wednesdays are called work study. Work study is all about tactics, how-tos, templates, frameworks, the list goes on. And Fridays, we call our lecture series. We haven't still figured out a formal name that actually matches the brand, but lecture series seems to work for now. This is where you start hearing more anecdotal information from me, from guests, from people that I think are incredible teachers, incredible purveyors of the practice. And I think that you can learn a lot from want to stay making sure i'm covering everything if you want to stay in in the loop of what's going on outside of the podcast go ahead and subscribe to our email newsletter that's educated-guest.com educated-guest.com also on instagram at educated underscore underscore guests and the music's about to end and it's going to start up again and then i'm going to start this again (laughs) nonetheless um we'll keep it going this episode today it's friday it's a lecture series we have Olivier Charlon, and Olivier is a graphic designer, art director, um, someone who has experience pretty much working in every company that most people want to go work for, whether it be as a freelancer, as a contractor, as a full-time person. Um, and he lives in my favorite city in the world, it's Montreal. So we have a wonderful conversation for about an hour about sort of the infrastructure behind running a small studio. So what does infrastructure mean? This means that we're digging into the details of what tools are needed to uh, sort of run the practice. We're digging into the details of how he actually went about approaching some of the projects you'll find on his portfolio. And you can look in the show notes to get more information about him. But at the end of the day, what this episode is about is about digging into the tactics, some of the practices of being an independent designer, an independent studio owner. And um, we talk about some of the origins of his story as a designer. And I think you'll find a lot of similarities in your approach and sort of your story, possibly, given the fact that you've tapped into this network. And I think you'll love it. So the next voice you'll hear. My journey from age 16 to 20. Um, That's interesting because I kind of always knew I wanted to be a graphic designer. So like around age 16, I was kind of like playing a lot of video games and through video games, there's like this community aspect of it. And um, so I was playing a lot online and um, 
I started doing a lot of like websites and like logos for like my teams and like other friends team of like Counter-Strike and StarCraft and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I really got into graphic design around that time and around like 16, 17, I even like with a friend started a design studio-ish, but that was like, that was quite funny. But in the end, I, I always felt like I wanted to be a graphic designer. So so when I, I got into uh, art school at first, I, uh, because I would be in graphic design, but I didn't get in to the graphic design program. So I ended up going to art school which at first I was not really into, but quickly I understood it was like the basis of design and graphic design in the end, like art. Yeah. So I really got into it and then um, and then switched to design when I got in university where, where I really like around 20, I guess, where it all started for real. What do you make of the esports revolution? <laughs> wow, it's crazy because I was so into it, but then like, I kind of, I kind of stopped when when I turned eighteen. Uh, started drinking. I mean, Canada legal age is eighteen, so like started going out and yeah. ga- and then girls, and then like so gaming gaming uh, uh, left a little bit my life. But uh, but it's crazy to see all those Twitch things and everything now. Like it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, man. We, uh, one of my best friends and I went to an esports tournament this past weekend. Like. Uh, I don't know when I'll release this episode, but it would have been late February. Um, wow! Yeah, so it's fifteen thousand people packed in a packed in an arena to watch um, Atlanta's Call of Duty team, and I think also Toronto's team was there. Paris was there. Um, what who else? It was like three or four other teams. I think Denver had a team, but yeah, it's a whole thing. And we were there, kind of like learning about the whole thing, trying to trying to get some work in and. Man, it's basically like NFL. If you, it, it would be like walking into, uh, I don't even know what the equivalent is. Yeah, it'd be like walking into the Super Bowl one. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? And you're like, you're seeing <laughs> yeah, Joe yeah. Namath. It's like, who's this Joe Namath guy? Like, who is that? <laughs> he, he the energy cool. and everything. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was wild. It was wild. That's interesting, though. So, always knew you wanted to get into graphic design. It's interesting that. Your your journey sort of started with a, a denial, a failure, so to speak, like a a rejection yeah. letter. Like what? Totally, what, do you, yeah. what do you make of that emotion during that time? Um, it's interesting, yeah, because I got rejected twice to two different design school in two different periods of time. Because yeah. in Quebec, we have this system where we have like a two year or three year program before university, which is kind of our college ish. Uh, we finished high school a little bit earlier, I guess, than Americans. So I got rejected in that graphic design program and then in university right after. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I felt like it was just like, oh, okay, next time. Like, I just got to like keep doing it. And I, I knew, like, I, I knew deep down I wanted to be a graphic designer. So I was like, well, I guess I was just not ready for it. And because the first time is like those drawing tests and everything. And I was not that great. I've, at drawing I was like a computer guy yeah so I realized I needed to get better at that and then like the second time my portfolio was not on point so I worked on it for a year and then like got into the design school I wanted so I, I don't know I remember like vividly when I got my portfolio back of like the big university program I wanted to get in mm-hmm. um, 
I, my girlfriend was with me at the time and um, I go pick up my portfolio that I left there and I looked in it and my grade of the portfolio was 16%. Like I, I had like a terrible note on it and she kind of started crying and I was just like, well, it's fine. Like, it's okay. I'll do something else. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I'm laughing, I'm laughing with you because it's, <laughs> It's like, it's joyfully funny. It literally brings joy to my heart that there's that level of resi- resilience in a teenager or like an early 20s person, you know? I, I think that we get less and less resilient. I'm, I'm going to draw a, a quick parallel. You know, like your muscles, when you're, when you're super young and you're super flexible, you can touch your toes, you can run around, you don't need to stretch any of that. And later on, you your muscles start tightening up, your Achilles gets tight, you can't play basketball without worrying about tearing your Achilles, all this stuff. I would argue that your mind is very similar and how it works is like, you know, a teenager when you can just kind of say, oh, well, totally. shit, I'll just bounce back, whatever. And then when you're 30, 45, whatever, yeah, exactly. you're like, nope, <laughs> I can't really do this. That's again. when it gets harder. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, um, let's kind of tap deeper into that story. So, I'm interested to know about the personality trait that's consistent for you as a, you know, teen, as a preteen teenager and then, you know, young adult, adult, you know, what is, what is consistent, consistently good and then consistently an Achilles heel like, for you? Well, I think like doing a lot of, I was really hungry to do projects to do project with friends to like start a streetwear brand and like started two streetwear brands and <laughs> it's just like <laughs> doing a lot of stuff. And then I got into video and like filming all random stuff, making like random movies or stop motion. And, and I look back at those years and I'm like, wow, I was so, uh, I was making so much stuff, like producing so much work in different range, but obviously it was all garbage. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I look back to it right, right now, but and then I learned so much through that. And, and I wish I still had that like naivety of putting work out there that was like not quite there yet, or maybe just my first try at something. But I was so excited about trying stuff that I was excited to share it as well. So I think this helped me a lot, like learn so much stuff because you, you need to like practice to, to be better at something. You cannot just read a book and then like you're good at it. Yeah. For sure, for sure. What what's the what's the downside of a personality trait of yours? Something that you're working on that people might not even know about that you're like, yo, I I know that I got this tendency to do this thing. Like, what's what's that? I'll share mine if you if you you know we'll be we'll be open, <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll we be open with each other. So you share one, I'll share one. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right, <laughs> deal. Um, I guess I have a hard time saying no sometime or like doing something that I know won't please somebody. So like I could, I could be stuck in a situation just because I don't want to like be not nice to someone or like, I know that this won't be uh, something that will make this person happy or, but in the end it's a better outcome for everybody. And, and maybe that's something I need to work on trying to be more, uh, uh, true to myself in a way, like be able to say no more, which I'm, I'm getting better, but still. Uh, makes sense, dude. Like, I, I think the saying no thing is a consistent theme. I mean, my my thing is um is damn near one in the same. I think I have a hard time saying no to certain collaborations. 
like working with certain people. not that you know not the collaboration is inherently bad i just feel that it sometimes it's not necessarily productive in the way that you would hope it is i mean it's always a learning experience but ultimately i end up yeah. you know in a situation that is not really favorable to to me so it's uh, it's the, it's again the saying no theme and um just being a little bit more selective with you know who you're working with who you're hanging out with that sort of thing but also sharing you know sharing appreciation at a distance for, you know, other people too. So I think that's, yeah, that's something I'm working on, to be honest. And totally. And and, in the end, like, there's some good about like not being able to say no, because in the end you're like get into a situation, you're like, ah, I didn't really want to, but in the end, like turn out great or you learn so much or you meet new people, but, but totally, we need to be more selective about like, do I really need to do this project or do this thing or whatever? Ah, for real. So we've, we've talked for like 10, 15 minutes, but nobody's heard you say your name yet. So what, <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, obviously what's your name and then what's something they should know about you as a, uh, as a quote unquote title of sorts. Titles are tough now, but what's, what's a title they should know about you? Right. And my name is Olivier, Olivier Charland or uh, Olivier Charland with the, French Canadian accent. Oh yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the real one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's a funny thing when I when I introduce myself in, let's say in the U.S. or somewhere else, it's always like, "What? What's your name?" So I try to pronounce it in a way that yeah. is understandable. But yeah, so title wise, that's that's an interesting question that I never know how to answer that because in the end, I touch so many grounds that I, I like to stick with graphic designer. But like in the end, I do a lot of art direction, set design, uh, directing a little bit, uh, animation. So I don't want to put myself into a box, but I think graphic design is a great box to be put in. <laughs> what do you not do? Uh, I really don't like making websites. <laughs> Even though <laughs> I, feel, I feel you because the website is like the ultimate scope creep project. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. You set out to do like a one page. Yeah, I need a landing page. All right, cool. I got you. Next thing you know, <laughs> you're building out like an entire e-commerce platform exactly. for, for their, you know, streetwear brand number two that they're starting <laughs> up out of nowhere. Yeah, it's uh, that's one of those like slippery slopes. Exactly. And I started doing design, like learning, doing web design. That's that's what got me into graphic design, like making websites. But now like I'm. I'm I'm out of there. It's too complex. <laughs> nah, I feel you. I feel you. Respected, but I don't want to do it. For sure. Let's. I w- I've never done this sort of thing on the show. Like most of the time, a lot of the questions I ask are like softball questions. You know, theoretical things. You know, spirit. You know, conceptual, which is good. I think it's taken the show a long way. And by the time this comes out, this will be like episode probably eighty five, eighty six, something like in that range. Um, yeah. So. Consistency is the leverage I've got right now. <laughs> um, but I want to, what I'm talking about is I want to ask about projects of yours and like some how to's. Cause, you know, there's a lot of self taught artists, designers listening. There's a lot of like, you know, people who are intermediate and they're like, I'm just, I don't need to go back to art school. If I could just learn this one thing, then I can like catapult my way onto the next stage. So let's tap into one, this project I love of yours. You call it the SF Blanket. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was, as I understand it, it was more of a personal project with, who, who did you do it with? 
Totally. It was with my friend Lucien. Lucien mm, he's, uh, he's living in San Francisco. We met briefly in New York, but we, we started working freelancing together in San Francisco uh, two years ago now. So that project was just like, because we were working in Silicon Valley yeah. and uh, so we were living in San Francisco, but commuting every day to the office, which was like an hour and a half commute mm-hmm. morning and night. So, and in like those big tech buses, so you got Wi-Fi, you can work on your computer, but it's kind of like lost time. And we were like, it's, and it's the, the shittiest part of the job in the end. <laughs> no. <laughs> to me. Uh, so we're like, let's do something. We, we got to do something out of it. And we just started sketching stuff. And, and we had this idea, oh, maybe we can produce an object or something. And yeah. we, found, we found online those like cheap blankets maker, we, woven blankets. Mm-hmm. So you just send a, a, an image and they, they do it for you and ship it to you. So we could, only, we could order only one. Like sometimes you, you need to like minimum order of like, 50 but this one was just one sample of each so that was that was great and we just like bounced each other off like our own illustration and design and give each other critique and uh and like just writing the bus designing that and then like decided to produce it that's fire you know i i know it seems rudimentary when you explain it out loud like that but i kid you not there will be you know myself included i've spent some time looking at like I'll be on arena for instance, like I'll be on arena and I'll be like, how, how did you do this? <laughs> you know, I have a certain, I have a certain yeah. skill level and then I'll look at something I'm like, how did you do this? And then if I really talk to him, like I'm talking to you right now, I'll be like, yeah, I just did X, Y, Z. I'm like, see, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> now it's like, you know, you get the battery in your back to just keep moving. And I think as people like see the quality of the project that I'm referencing and we're talking about, they will probably go to your website and be like, oh shit, like they probably sourced this from, they probably went to the factory, they probably walked through, like they got 15 yeah, samples, exactly. you know what I'm saying? They need a, you know, you need a, a, a grand, you need two grand to like get enough samples to get to the point where you're like satisfied with one, but really you just breaking it down and saying, hey, like we just went to this website and did this and did that and did that. I think there's at least, there's, there's, there's hundreds of people who listen to each and every show that I track of. And then there's 15,000 downloads of the whole podcast at this point. So there's a, there's a significant amount of people who will hear you say that and they'll be like, bro, thank you so much. So I can guarantee that. So. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just about like making, making things and just like finding ways to find simple ways of, of making whatever an object or a design or anything and just getting to it. And, and this project in the end, like we were like, okay, let's, take photos of it because once you receive the the blankets you gotta do something and we were just like going on a hike for fun on a weekend with a bunch of friends and we're like oh let's bring them today and and take photos there and it's just like in those beautiful californian landscapes but uh it was just like it was not like a proper shoot we were just like going on a walk with friends and in the end we're just like all right let's shoot it there and yeah did it. yeah that's uh you know that's like the childlike curiosity that you're saying you're trying to hold on to right like just keep on doing things and you know understanding the quality baseline that you have you know it's like you're not going to just do it and then say like shoot on an iphone and just throw it up and you're it's in your portfolio all of a sudden but you take the time to go all the way through but it's just for fun i want i want to jump to um a couple more projects and then ask some more like theoretical questions in a minute but 
the YMCA project, you know, I was looking at that. Um, first of all, it's a dope client. You know, I, I have like a, uh, immense love for how to, um, how to bring quote unquote high quality art and design to community engagement projects. So things like boys and girls club, YMCA, you know, the list goes on. Um, so there's a specific part in there where you're painting or basically coloring what looks to be like foam core or something like that. Or I don't know if it's wood or what it, what it is, but you're it's, basically, yeah. could you talk, talk through like what <laughs> is going on? Uh, yeah, that project we got, um, we got called by a bigger agency that has YMC as a client mm-hmm. and they had like a simple idea. They wanted to portray, um, make family portraits like classic, like 90s kind of deal, family portrait, mm-hmm. but with objects, uh, because their campaign was, um, let's bring family together uh, doing sports. So we started making families of uh, sports objects together. So like uh, one of the image uh, to make it more visual is uh, uh, five basketballs, but of different sizes. So it's like the mom, the dad, the kids. So we made a few of them, like uh, hockey sticks and uh, and uh, water bottle and yeah. and stuff like that. And um, so we we brought those sketches to life. And while sketching those, we try to because it's all photography. So we try to like calculate. Okay, what do we need? Okay, a wall here, this color there, finding those basketballs and those things and whatnot. And we just, uh, we had a bunch of leftover uh, wood panels that we could uh, paint over. So in the end, it's like always a kind of a DIY project. And it's not, in the end, like it, it, it is professional, but it's not that expensive to do that kind of project. It could have been like a personal project because we took leftover props we had. We bought a bunch of like, we bought like cheap stuff on, on Amazon and painted them and like made them like more interesting and and voila, we did this uh, photo shoot. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. When you got the brief from the larger ad agency, could you talk about what that looked like? Was it a, I'm, I'm talking super specific here. And the reason yeah. I'm asking again <laughs> is like, people need momentum behind like the specificity so that they can just un, like get going. So yeah, when you got, was it one email that said, hey, here's the brief. It's a PDF attached and get back to us. Uh, What's up? It's, it, yeah, yeah, they reach out to us. They're like, we really like your, your aesthetics, uh, your way of, of making stuff like in real life with, with like building everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this project with YMCA. We'd like to talk to you more about it. And then we hopped on a call with, with the agency and uh, they showed us like some reference images in there. There was images we did in the past. So like they knew about our work specifically. And uh, and they just, just had the big outline of the idea, like, let's make family portraits. Are you guys see that? And from there, we started doing sketches. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that part of uh, my studio, Par Azar, with uh, Cecil Gary P. So we're, we're two in there. And she's an illustrator as well. So, like, she drew us super nice. Uh, uh, so we could have, like, a mini storyboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get that approved by the agency that get that approved by the client. And then... We, we got into production and making everything for real. How much did you, how much of that did you learn in school? And then how much of that did you learn when you were apprent- like quote unquote apprenticing? Yeah, that's a, an interesting question because, you know, I did like my art 
program and then switch to graphic design. And in graphic design, you don't really learn how to do those things, even though it's part of like a lot of shoots or what whatnot. Yeah. But I, I, through experimenting and making videos and stuff, I really got into like crafting my graphic design, like making designs out of real objects and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, that's not from school. That's from just me wanting to do that kind of work. And in the end, I, and after school, I worked for Valet Jamel, which are like designers, directors duo that does that a lot for like big clients. So that I learned everything there. Like, from building everything in the workshop, but my art background really helped on that. But uh, yeah, I learned everything while working for for that studio. Mm. The last thing on like the tactical question, this is a uh, this is a personal preference. This is like a personal question because I told you the arena story, and yeah, one thing about arena is that there's there's a particular aesthetic I like about with like uh, sort of this vintage grain. Um, integrating a little bit of gradient inside of there and naturally like you figure out how to do gradients and grains pretty quickly in illustrator and photoshop and stuff like that but there's like seems to be another level of what i'm looking at compared to what i'm doing and i'm like dude the average person would think what i'm doing is awesome but i know there's like another level to tap into so when you're when you're looking to like do post production on on a piece let's just say it's a simple poster and even like I'm trying to think of your portfolio off the top of my head. I don't sorry, I don't have your <laughs> portfolio memorized all the way top to bottom, but <laughs> no, it's uh That's normal. <laughs> could you talk about how you do textures in general? Like when you're finishing off a piece, like textures and you know, right. gradients, grains, that sort of thing to give it that you know, finishing touch. Right. Well, usually I really try to when I when I do a piece like let's say YMCA or a poster with a a real object. I try to make everything before in front of the camera. Like, so making the texture by paint or like doing the most outside of the computer first. Mm. And then, and then it's a matter of like cleaning everything and making sure everything is like tight and aligned and like tweaking just a little bit the image. So it makes it more like elevated, but still like, still you feel the, the human touch. And when I do more digital work, like illustration or whatever texture and stuff, I think that comes from my background of like doing like uh, video games, graphic design, because at the time we were like making textures and like a lot of remixing images. And, and that's how I learned like Photoshop and Illustrator by just trying new tools all the time and making those shitty effects and putting more effect on it. And, in the end, later on, I like turned my back on all that. And I was like, I, I need to do like clean design. But now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, those weird techniques can be reapplied in a more like thoughtful process. And, and that's where like it gets more interesting when you, you like try just play around the, those programs. They're still like broad. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that there's a there's almost a standard thing that people go to. I know when I first started getting into graphic design, I was like, oh, well, let me download a texture from online, overlay yeah. it, and then turn down the opacity. That was step one. And you're like, eh, something's not right. <laughs> and the second step is like, all right, let me like take it out of Illustrator, put it into Photoshop, and then turn down the opacity and then throw like a, a blend layer on there, like one of the blend options. And you're like, okay, like this is getting somewhere, but still not there. 
is there is there something that that person is missing beyond the uh, solutions? Yeah. I think what's interesting is making your own texture like and scanning them and like putting them in, in, in Photoshop after and playing with like go wild and then like you can tone it down afterwards. I think it's just like playing with all this random filter that looks weird at first, but then you can have like just a little part of it. It's just, I think it's seeing it as a collage and that you can put more and then remove and like, don't be scared to, to try tools. Oh yeah. I love it. That's magic happens. So zoom, zooming back out to the conception. First of all, thank you for going into that detail. I know like <laughs> anytime someone were to ask me super detailed questions about stuff that's like business as usual to me, I'm like, why are you asking me that? Doesn't everybody know this? And yeah. turns out not everybody knows that. So I understand that that's totally true. it's not customary to just go and like recall things that are normal for you every day. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, <laughs> zooming back out to more conceptual stuff. So, what do you what have you learned about misconceptions of starting a studio like what's 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 something that you've missed or like just a good misconception in general I, mm, that's a good question i don't know if i think maybe some people will say it's easy or like easier route or some others will also say it's not for me mm. like it's not for me to start a studio or like things like that and i think on both on both sides, it's like yeah, it's super hard because then you're like faced with trying to get clients and business and running a studio. But on the other side, there's so many people I hear like, oh, I'd love to do it one day, but it's not for me. And in the end, I think it's more. Uh, I I'd like to see more new studios, and like I think we're getting into more of a independent world in a way with with like the connection with internet and everything like we're way more connected than ever and bigger structure are struggling to to make it work so i think like it, we're, we're getting more into like a smaller studio economy yeah yeah <laughs> what i'm talking about i feel i feel like that and and i i want i want people to try it like people that say it's not for them yeah totally it is like it's gonna be hard but it's so rewarding and so much more fun to mm. do it Hmm. In in running the studio, is there like a specific tool that you've found to make the project management stuff less of a headache? Like, what do you are you, are you a Trello? Uh, yeah. Are you a Trello guy? Are you like a? Do you use these tools? What's up? How does that go for you? I I yeah. I'd love to say I'm a Trello guy and like super organized. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it a few times and. I'm not super organized to be honest, but, uh, but the one thing I realized that I have to do all the time is when is management time? Like, Oh, I got to do an invoicing or like, uh, or, or whatever, like whatnot, accounting, accounting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I got to get it out of the way right away. Like write the email, like do the invoice, uh, do the, the math for like the budgets and stuff like that yeah. right away. Because then it's, it's just the thing that you, don't necessarily want to do you want to design or whatever do do your craft and and that's always like a burden in a way but like if you get it done right away it's like oh nice it lifts the weight out of your shoulder yeah. and then you can start working and you're you're not worried about oh, i gotta re reply to this person or that or like do this nah for sure for sure do you so, have, i yeah, do like, this <laughs> that's fire like i think it's dope to hear 
All right. So I got to back up for a second because I think a lot of times in this age, in this age of, it's not really age, it's like a Tumblr culture. I'll call it Tumblr culture. Right. So I think Arena is like the big brother that made it through into college of Tumblr. And, um, (laughs) you know, I think that the same people that were on Tumblr are now on Arena for the most part for the, for very similar reasons. And the one downside of Tumblr culture is that nobody ever talks about like the fact that invoices still get done and like accounting still gets done. And like you still use like, you still have to send emails. You know, I think that there's like an, um, I mentioned before, like one of the, uh, you know, one of our friends, our friend group, our big inspiration or whatever, when we were younger is Jown. It's like Justin Saunders and his studio up in Montreal. And, uh, I love Montreal, man. Like I, there's actually, (laughs) there's actually a flight deal for like 200, $300 that I'm looking at. I, you know, it's on record now. So it sounds like I got to do it. Yeah, you have an invitation. Come. Word. I'm I'm definitely gonna consider that. <laughs> for real, for real, for real, for real. Um right. the uh so yeah, we were like look at John growing up and we're like, damn, how do you just how do you just randomly pop up with a project? Uh I know he did a while back, like the Vans Vans project. He did like a Vans collaboration, which by the way, like I don't know where you can get those vans. I think they're like on StockX for like two, oh, yeah, two bands or something cool. like that. But um that sold off quick, I think. Yeah, the point the point is is like you see the product come out, you see like um you know the end result that you fall in love with, you just want to make it. And even if you get to a point where you make the taste level at a similar similar height if you will, the infrastructure behind it you're like, "All right, well like I can I can now design at a level that's equal to what I used to look at. Now how do I actually get it in front of vans, get it to New Balance? Like what what does that conversation look like? Like, what is what does the pitch deck look like? What does the invoicing process look like? So that's that's sort of what what the spirit of this show is. It's like trying to demystify yeah. that stuff because um, I think it's not really talked about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's a good question that we all ask ourselves, like how to get those bigger projects or bigger yeah clients and stuff like that. And I think the one thing that worked for me, or I saw work anywhere else it's just like doing it like you said earlier you're like 89 or something episode 81 i don't remember but (laughs) it's just like the consistency of how much output do you put out like how much work do you put in and then obviously if you do great work you'll get noticed at one point and get a bigger client and then a bigger one and i think i don't know his story but i think that's what happened with john as well like you just started this this kind of tumblr like blog with image and yeah. he was one of the first doing it got recognized for it real quickly and then uh started working with the big guns <laughs> so yeah. i guess it's just like keeping at it and just like because i see so many times like people ah, i'm getting into whatever illustration or anything and then they do it for like one month they do four or five pieces and it looks great but it's not the best yet because they're not like hundred pieces in so and they like abandoned because they're like ah didn't work out but didn't give it time to like flourish and get noticed mm. so i think it's like yeah a matter of consistency and putting up work for for sure switching gears are you are you a reader <laughs> like do you read books uh, or article article I, <laughs> <laughs> I do i do i try to read more i don't read enough but yeah i do read books yeah what's the, what's the last yeah, one I'm, you read 
right now I'm in this book called Ways of Being. And it's, uh, I have it right here. Advice for artists. I'll show you the cover, blue cover, big white type. Yeah. And um, because I started painting last year and I really wanted to get more into that, like learn more about that field because this is completely different than my regular graphic design practice. And mm. I just do it for fun, but still reading about uh, this book is about how from, from beginning college, everything to like get your first solo show as a painter and then like how you network and the power of community and, this is uh, super interesting so far. Like a lot of interviews with uh, like well-established artists, and uh, it's it's uh, super insightful to read about another like field and and try to understand it and see if maybe there's a place. Yeah, for sure. It's like <laughs> that ultimate curiosity. I think uh, I also I'll reference multidisciplinary work on the show a lot, and I'll be like, hey, well this is how I think of multidisciplinarians and um, no, nah, it's just dope to see other people going down that path. I mean, I got, and I never went to design school. Um, well, so far I have not gone to design school. It's still in the cars maybe, but you know, I got my start as a musician and making beats and doing on the internet and like shipping it to artists and all this stuff, beat back the whole thing, everything you think about what a producer does in 2020, that's what I was doing in 2008 to 2000. 12, 13, whatever. Um, and it's interesting to see that like the parallels are still there and how you approach whatever's going on. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like, all right, how many, <laughs> I think about it like the Olympics It's like, if art, if art were, uh, if art had an Olympics, it's like, all right, bro, just show up. Like we're all creative athletes. Like what's going totally. on? Like I can, I can run, I can jump, I can shoot, I can do this. <laughs> like I might as well try them all while I'm on the earth. Like it doesn't make a difference. Exactly. And in the end, I think it's, it's like staying curious and just wanting to experiment and try new stuff all the time. That's what makes it fun and interesting. Yeah. And like learning new skills like that, or like trying new stuff, like whatever. And at least let's say that parallel, you, understand stuff in that whatever thing you're trying and then you can apply that to your real craft or like so 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 it it gets like both good because you learn a new skills but at the same time like it informs and teach other parts of of your own craft or like the one that you usually do absolutely absolutely i want to i want to talk about education period so we're talking about just all right um First, we got to kind of set the stage that we're talking about, like skill building, almost trade, craftsmanship, the trade school, the modern age of trade school. But then there's this like other form of education that's liberal arts space that's you know more explorative in nature, doesn't really have any purpose. And I was talking to a podcast guest um, last week, and his, his episode will come out soon. And we were talking about the the right approach to do that, right? Like... The, the economy is requiring that we just know how to do certain skills like, oh, well, do you, knew, do right. you, know, do you know After Effects? No. All right, cool. No job for you. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, like, no, but I, I can talk to people. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a leader. Like, da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> so it's almost like, what do you, first question is, what do you make of um, those two educational approaches? And um, I got to follow up after that. So what do you make of those two? 
Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, I've, I've always been like kind of a self-taught guy. Like I was, as I said earlier, like in a teenager, I was building my own PC and computer and like playing in Photoshop and trying to make websites and like learning all those skills by myself because I was like, Oh, there's all those information online. And now even more like so many tutorials on anything. Like the other day, our <laughs> washing machine broke and it's just like you YouTube the, the number of <laughs> the, the serial number and you can find like how to fix it. But in the end, it's like, I really like this idea of self learning stuff. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta be able to self learn because it's cool. And I'm, and I'm kind of a big school advocate at the same time, but you can't just expect like, oh, I'm going to go to school and they're going to teach me Photoshop because in the end, it, it has to come from you. Like you cannot learn something that you're not into or at least a little passionate about because if you don't find joy in playing in whatever Photoshop or whatever the thing you want to do will never work out. Like, or a lot of people tell me by the like, in, in that kind of sense like oh I'll like on Instagram can I get better at it or like I really want to get into more like posting my work and you cannot force a social media account and it, it will never work you gotta just do it because you want to share your work like do it the way you would do it yeah and so, so I think like there's a lot of self-learning through school and school enables you to find a community I think that's what's most valuable about design school or anything because yes you can learn design on your own and and be great but going to school i met so many people and did so many side projects like side on the side of school mm -hmm. that those were the project in my portfolio when i graduated more than my school project because they were my passionate project with friends and like making real stuff happening yeah. <laughs> so and, and it's like i think it's the community that comes out of school that is the greatest part and like learning from teachers that I've been there before and know how it works. Are you ever going to, this is a completely random question I was thinking about. Are you ever going to move out of Montreal? Like permanently? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Uh, I'm always thinking about where am I going to be? Where am I going to go? I really love Montreal. Uh, and I, and I lived a little bit in Paris, New York and San Francisco. So I kind of did a little bit of living abroad. Um, but I don't think so. I think Montreal is like my home base. The community there is great. Rent is still affordable compared to all the other big cities. Uh, you're close to New York. So I'm like just a six hour drive away from New York. So I, I'm, I'm there like quite often enough to like see my friends and have a glimpse of like that energy. But yeah. Montreal, is, there's space. And there's, and people are ready to collaborate. There's like this big sense of community that some other places you can feel more competitiveness, like Paris, French people are way more competitive. And I think just the market is harder there, but yeah, yeah. it feels like when you meet someone in Montreal, it feels like, oh yeah, yeah, let's, let's do something. And you actually do end up working together or like collaborating. For sure. What's your... What's your favorite spot to go out? Favorite, <laughs> favorite bar in Montreal or like favorite restaurant? And then, no, favorite bar and then favorite place to get poutine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm getting super like, yeah, I know what, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> At least a little bit. <laughs> the poutine spot, I would say 
Tuzinha, which is like a yeah, really great burgers and poutine spot, classic uh, near my place. Uh, and uh, for bar, that's a good question. There's so many good little spots. Yeah, uh, I I would say maybe La Buvette, which is like a little French concept uh, where you can have a little bit of food, plate sharing, but uh, you can stay up all night and and drinks, and you always run into friends there and good vibes. Huh. That's the official endorsement. <laughs> no, like no affiliate. No, there's an affiliate link to those two spots and the link in the bio. No, that's that's hilarious, man. On third. Hey, hey, it's um. I I'm, I think I told you on the phone we were like talking last last week or the week before, whenever that was. Yeah. Um, dude, my days are like running together. It's getting to a point where I'm like, wait, when did we talk? And like, we talked yesterday. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I need to get that under control. It's not that I don't care. It's literally just like, just, I don't, I can't keep track. So many things happening. Yeah. It's hard to really keep track. Which is uh, a problem, which is a problem. I'm not, I'm not literally, I'm not saying that for anybody listening is like, that's not a badge on it. That's a problem I need to fix. That's probably, that's probably my thing. That's my Achilles, Achilles heel. Right. That's probably it. Um, all right. So I'm curious about, Oh, I was talking about Montreal. So when I was on the when we were on the phone, I was walking down. Uh, was it main the main street? was like Rue, Rue Saint Catherine, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm walking from the Canadians game all the way. I guess that would be parallel to the river or parallel to the water. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what direction is is that that I was going? Like, if you're walking, e- that's going east. Okay, away from where the airport is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm walking east and I ran into this like six story record store way down there by close to, I'm literally about to pull up the map, but um, it's like the six story record store that it was amazing. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that that exists there because I, (laughs) there's no other purpose for me saying that other than that. Like that's when I fell in love with, with Montreal that, and then, um, like in the the area around McGill, yeah, like that, that. I love that area, man. And I don't know. There's so, and then obviously, uh, what is it? Port area. The port area is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like the old looking, like European, right. big big houses, big buildings. Right, because that's that's where the uh, the first Essence store is. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yes. yeah, beautiful, beautiful store, by the way. Yeah, do you do you know who did that? Like, what what architecture uh, group or like anybody involved with that? I I think I've seen what's the architecture firm, but I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so we gotta look it up. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> so, but I need to. Sh- if you come back to Montreal, I need to show you uh, other neighborhoods where where uh, I live and like hang out. Those are great spots too. Hell yeah, man! I'm I'm down. I'm down. Literally, it's it's on my list because I I spent the last couple of years traveling elsewhere, like stateside, and I'm like, dude, like I can go to Chicago, New York, L.A., Houston, whatever. It's it's the same thing, you know. You <laughs> I pull up to any city, and here's I do like one of three things to start off the trip. I'm like, all right, like, is there a Starbucks nearby? Like, I need like a coffee, <laughs> or even if it's not Starbucks, like I'm gonna get coffee. I'm gonna get some food, 
And then we got we got to stop by Target to get something. I don't know what it is, but you always stop in the Target. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Just get a little get a little off track. That's what I'm saying. Like the off track was the on track off track thing was in quotes because yeah. you know, this is this is fun for me. This is this is good time. <laughs> we're coming. So we're we're coming to the end of the show. Like we're coming to time, and two questions remain. There's well, actually three. The first one is, what do you want to learn most? And the next twelve to eighteen months, I'll just kind of leave that there. Oh, yeah. Okay. The next twelve eighteen months. Um, interesting. I I really want to learn Spanish. <laughs> I have so many Spanish speaking friends that I feel stupid not speaking it, and especially coming from French language, French mm. uh, as my mother tongue. Uh, I feel like it could be easy, but I have no base, so uh, I gotta I gotta get into that train of learning a new language. Yeah. How are you going to approach it? I need to find classes because I started doing Duolingo for a bit. And at one point I just want to win the game and <laughs> I'm not learning the language. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Like the, the, the troubling part about Duolingo, which is good design. If you're an, a product yeah. designer, it's that you have to keep it up. Like you have to go back and refresh like what the, what the basic right. verbs are. So I know like for me, I, I took five, six years of French and, you know, after four or five years of layoff, you're like, what the, I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> I don't, nobody speaks French in Atlanta. I mean, no, they do, but you know, it is what it is, but you go back and you start with like, all right, let's just start with the verb avoir. So let's start with, <laughs> let's start with the conjugation of that. Like to see exactly. like, how, how do you build a sentence out of that? Um, okay. So learning Spanish and. Yeah, I think it's because Indian, I'm like, I think learning a new language or learning a other completely other craft brings so much more to to life, and then like it it translates to work in the end. But like, yeah, I think a, a new language is pretty interesting. And the second to last question is how many how many projects do you do on a regular basis that are on spec? It's like, hey, I, I have uh, an I'm, idea that uh, they want to do this, and yeah. When you say on spec, do you mean like speculative work? Yeah. So specifically for clients that you might want to get. So like, let's say you're saying right, right, right. plenty of oh, okay, Facebook okay. redesigns, plenty of Adidas redesigns. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Uh, I've rarely done that, but my way of doing like that kind of spec work is by approaching people that like friends. Let's say I've, I had friends who had a band and they're like, oh, like, we like your stuff. And I'm like, guys, I'm going to do your album art and like all of that. And, and, and usually people are like, yeah, sure. Okay. You want to do it for free? I'm like, yeah, sure. I want to do it. But if you give me, like, if you're, if you're, uh, um, letting me do what I want to do, like in the end, of course, I, it's still like kind of client, client maker, uh, relationship. But, uh, mm -hmm. but usually when you set the base, right, you're like, Hey guys, like, I want to do this for you. I'll show you sketches and everything, but like, trust me, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of deal. And those, those projects, those are the ones that brought me all of my like better, more interesting gigs in the end, because those are the projects that, uh, I was really passionate about making. And I think that's, that's what I try to do. Most of my free time is like self-initiated projects. I, I don't know, like the blanket thing was just one, one, one of them. I, Maybe I'll try to do three a year or something like three, four a year that like 
maybe can be super small scale. Like the blanket was a two week thing. Like in the end, like super quick, like a few hours a day for a few days. Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll jump into like bigger, bigger personal project, but, uh, but yeah, or like to collaborate with friends. So um, like freelancing enables me that because I can be freelancing in an agency or a company for a few weeks or months. And then after that, I have like a lot of free time and I will take on like client project, but I'll always allow myself time to, to do personal project. And that's how I started painting last year. I had like Mm-hmm. Two weeks of nothing really planned and not traveling or anything. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna buy a a canvas and start playing on on it, and then fell in love with doing that. <laughs> I, I I understand. Painting is one of those addictive things where you know once you get going, getting going is the hardest thing, right? Like, yeah, totally. Like a long day. You come home. You're like, all right, I don't really have an idea. This isn't like. This isn't Illustrator, so I can't just erase it. And I just spent twenty dollars on this canvas. So (laughs) (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) That sort of thing. Better be good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a lot of pressure. But you know, in the end, it's like it is a lot of pressure. But I think like what really worked out in the end too, like because I wanted to get back to painting since art school, Mm. and I I was never allowing myself because I was like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not a painter. I'm just a designer. And uh, in the end, I just like started applying paint on a canvas <laughs> just the act of taking a brush dipping it into a colored paint and like making a the gesture on the canvas which is what what's so fun about it like just the gliding the perfect glide of paint on the smooth surface is so fun that and then i'm like yeah whatever am i gonna do and of course like once you enable yourself to discover new styles or whatever you end up like finding stuff in there and like liking it. Yeah. What this is, this is the last question. Um, this, I love this conversation. It's gone from, <laughs> you know, super tactical out the gate, just like getting that out of the way and making sure that you know, people have the tangible quote unquote takeaways. And then we covered ground. We did. We did, dude. We did. What I ask, I ask every guest this question and it's more uh, sort of the spirit of the show and the spirit of what I'm building here is, you know, what, what would you advise your 17-year-old self to do, think, say, or feel in place of, you know, what they might have been feeling? Right. I think, uh, yeah, don't be scared. Just keep going. Just make stuff. And don't be, uh, don't be scared to share or ask people to collaborate. And I think I was too shy at the time. I was still doing, like, what I, what I did and what brought me here, but... I think it's just like, don't be scared to like approach people, artists or designers that you love their work. And the few little times I, I did it and it worked out and like build a relationship out of that or, or like turned out into working together at one point. So yeah, yeah I think it's just like, go for it. <laughs> love it dude. I love it. Any, is there anything <laughs> else uh, that's like a shameless plug? Like anything like you want to share for people listening or? work do you have coming up uh yeah montreal is a great city you guys should all visit <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much if you made it this far that means that you're really committed to the mission you're committed to self-development personal development practical development that's what you're here for and that's what we're here to provide so i just want to say thanks first and foremost to ali for for really going in depth about some of his portfolio pieces i think that's incredible 
um, I think that's very, very gracious of him, and um, not not too many people were willing to uncover the secret behind the sauce, if you will. Um, so that said, whatever you do, don't touch that dial. I always want to say that. Don't touch that dial. We'll be back next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for more content right up this alley, right up this alley. Um, before you leave, though, one more thing. If you could, please do two things. If you're a part of this community, you found value. Number one, leave a review. I'm starting to realize the reviews are important to get this out to more people so they can find more value in it. So leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. Um, I really, really, really would appreciate that. The second thing is subscribe to our email newsletter, educated-guest.com, educated-guest.com, and really tap in with the network. So thank you so much. I appreciate you and looking forward to seeing and hearing and talking to you again. I don't know if I'll see you or hear you, but I'm looking forward to talking to you. All right. Till next time. Peace.